beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime you need to move a large group of people, you need to be well organized. Someone needs to design a plan for who goes where and when they move. Think about a parade. There's a staging area. Someone's in charge of the order in which different floats or groups of people move. Yet being organized is not enough. You also need some form of communication. You need to be able to send some kind of signal that tells people it's your turn to go. What applies to a parade, being organized for fun, applies all the more to an army marching out to war. If you have no way of coordinating your attack, you'll most likely lose. In ancient times, trumpets were often used as signaling devices. Our text for this morning explains how the Lord commanded Moses to use trumpets for summoning the congregation and for breaking the camp. Israel was camped at Mount Sinai, and in Numbers 10 we read of how they began their journey on the way to the Promised Land. Yet this was a great throng of people. They were camped around the tabernacle with three tribes on the east, the south, the west, and the north. The priests and Levites were camped between the Israelites and the tabernacle. The order in which they were to march had already been decided and communicated. Yet trumpets were to be used to give signals each time a new group needed to set out. Our text shows how trumpets would be needed in Israel, not just for the journey to the promised land, but also for the time when they would be settled in their own inheritance. The Lord told Moses, the trumpet shall be to you for a perpetual state throughout your generations. They would have a lasting function for God's people from one generation to the next. The trumpets were to be blown to sound an alarm when Israel needed to go to war. The trumpets were also to be blown to call God's people to assemble for their appointed feasts and their new moon festivals. This morning we're going to see how the Lord used trumpets as signaling devices to lead his people from Mount Sinai on their way to the promised land. More generally, we'll see how trumpets were used to summon the people for war and for worship. In doing so, we need to remember that like the Israelites, we too are on a pilgrimage. We too are the wandering people of God on a journey between our exodus from bondage to sin and death and our entry into the inheritance God has promised us. Like the Israelites, we are passing through the wilderness we face a perilous journey. On our way to our homeland, we too are surrounded by hostile terrain and by enemies who attack us. And thus, like the Israelites, we too are summoned to war and worship. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. By means of trumpet blasts, the Lord leads his people onward to the promised land. The trumpets summon the people to warfare, and to worship. Our text begins with the Lord commanding Moses to make two silver trumpets. The first known metal trumpets can be traced back to this time period. 
Silver and bronze trumpets have been found in the grave of King Tut of Egypt. And other ancient versions have been found in different places throughout the world. We need to understand that trumpets made in that time are different from our modern-day trumpets. Today, the trumpet is a musical instrument capable of playing the different notes on a scale. Ancient trumpets were not like that. They were effectively a horn that sent forth a piercing sound. They were used as a signaling device. Israel was just about to travel onwards from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. Numbers 9 taught us about how the Lord would lead them in their travels. By means of the cloud, the Lord would tell Israel when they were to set out and when they were to camp. He would decide how long they would remain in a particular place. The Lord would guide and direct them on every leg of their journey. It would seem that following the cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night would be enough to provide the Israelites with the guidance that they needed. But getting a large number of people ready for a march was no easy undertaking. Just think about how hard it can be to get your kids up and out of the door on a school morning. Or consider the amount of work required to pack up for a camping trip to get everyone going. Thus, in our text, the Lord told Moses about how the priests are to use trumpets as signaling devices. They were to be used for summoning the congregation and for breaking camp. A long trumpet blast was used to summon the people to the entrance of the tent of meeting. If both trumpets were blown, the whole congregation was to gather. If only one trumpet was blown, the chiefs, the heads of the tribes of Israel, were to gather. The trumpets were also used to blow an alarm. The first first alarm was a signal for the tribes camped on the east side to set out, the second for the tribes on the south side to set out, and so on. And so trumpets were used to signal various sections of the camp to set out on their journey. What's noteworthy in our text is that trumpets were not only used on the journey to the promised land. Verse 8 says, The trumpet shall be for you a perpetual statute throughout your generations. Thus the Lord commanded that trumpets be used in Israel from that time and forevermore. The Lord specifies how and why they were to be used. First, we'll focus on how trumpets were used to summon the people to warfare. Verse 9 says, And when you go to war in your land against the adversary who will oppress you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets. It's striking that our text specifies that the priests were to sound an alarm with the trumpets, both to signal the tribes on their march towards Canaan and to rise up to go to war against their enemies. The reason for this is is that in many ways their summons to travel were a call to fight in God's holy war. The Bible portrays the Lord as a divine warrior, He fought for Israel to deliver them from slavery in Egypt. The Lord came to his people's aid at the Red Sea when they had water in front of them and Pharaoh's armies chasing them. The Lord drowned Pharaoh and his armies in the Red Sea 
It was a victory to which Israel contributed nothing. Israel celebrated this victory in a song in which the Lord was proclaimed as a mighty man of war who shatters his enemies. God is often described as the Lord of hosts. It is the most common description of the Lord in the Old Testament. So what are the hosts that the Lord commands? At times these hosts include the celestial bodies, like the sun, moon, and stars. More often they refer to the angels. Micaiah had a vision and said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and his left. Yet God is also called the Lord of hosts as commander of Israel's armies. When David confronted Goliath and badly said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. When Israel came out of Egypt, it was the least of the nations and small. In Yet in Deuteronomy 1, Moses encourages Israel not to be afraid. He said, the Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. There were times when the Lord fought Israel's battles for her. In 2 Samuel 5, David inquires of the Lord whether he should attack the Philistines. Verse 24 records how the Lord went before Israel's armies to strike down the army of the Philistines. Yet the Lord didn't always simply eradicate Israel's enemies. Most often, Israel was called out to go and fight their enemies, trusting that the Lord would give them the victory. The purpose of the trumpets was to summon Israel's armies to war. One of the most dramatic examples of this is when Israel crossed the Jordan River and went to attack Jericho. Jericho was the gateway to the land of Canaan. The Lord promised to give the city into Israel's hands. Joshua 6 tells us about how Israel marched around Jericho once a day for six days. As they went, the priests were blowing the trumpets continually. On the seventh day, the people marched around the city seven times with their trumpets blowing. After the seventh time, the people shouted and the trumpets were blown and the city walls came tumbling down. Thus, the Lord gave Jericho into the hands of his people. So what was the function of the blowing trumpets? Well, it was twofold. Our text tells us that one purpose of sounding the alarm with trumpets was that you may be remembered before the Lord your God and you shall be saved from your enemies. What a wonderful comfort the Lord provided for his people. The trumpets were not just a signaling device to bring the people together or to lead them into battle. The Lord promised he would hear the sound of the trumpets. They would bring his people to remembrance. And not only would God hear, but he would also act. The Lord of hosts would rise up and come to his people's aid and fight for them against their enemies. There's also a second purpose to the blowing of the trumpets. 
they warned God's enemies of impending doom. They announced that the judgment of the God of Israel was coming. It's striking to see the parallels between the story of Israel's conquest of Jericho in Joshua 6 and the sounding of the seven trumpets in Revelation. They teach us that as God judged Jericho for her idolatry, violence, and wickedness, so he will judge the earth in the last days. As God fought for his covenant people to bring them into the promised land, so God will fight for the church today that we may also share in the inheritance God has promised to us. The seven trumpet blasts in Revelation are meant as a warning. God's judgment is coming. And as a call to repentance that we may escape the wrath of God. Beloved, we noted earlier that the sounding of an alarm with trumpets was used both to signal the tribes to march onward to Canaan and to rise up to go to war against their enemies. There is much overlap here. Israel's journey to the promised land and their conquest of it would require them to battle against their enemies. Similarly, we are on a journey as well. We are called to walk on God's pathways as we travel to our eternal homeland. What we need to recognize is that just like Israel, our journey involves warfare. It's not that we have to fight against other people in order to gain entrance to God's wonderful new world, but rather that we are to be engaged in spiritual warfare. We are involved in a battle against the devil and demons who want to destroy our faith. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 tells us that Satan, the god of this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. These people spout off all kinds of vain philosophies and deceit. As Christians, we can, get easily, we can easily get tangled with ideas that undermine the truth of the Bible and that turn us away from God. That's why in Colossians 2 verse 8, Paul warns us saying, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. The world can draw us in with its riches and its pleasure. At some level, we all want to live a good life. We can be tempted to compromise our Christian principles in order to get ahead in life. We can get drawn into the sinful pleasures that this life offers. There's always a temptation for us to be joined to the world to partake in her sins. When Revelation 18 speaks about the fall of Babylon, of the people who identify with this corrupt world, a voice from heaven shouts forth, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, and lest you share in her plagues. Finally, beloved, we have to contend with the weakness of our sinful flesh. It's true that if you have been redeemed by Christ, the Holy Spirit will also work renewal in your life. 
but often we have only a small beginning of the obedience that Christ requires of us. Sin so easily clings to us. We struggle with impatience, frustration, anger, resentment, lust, and discontent. We may find it hard to break free from addictions to alcohol or drugs, pornography or gambling. Instead of showing kindness and gentleness and love to those around us, we so often make life tough for family members and friends. As 21st century Christians, we don't use trumpets to summon us to travel or to go to war. But just like Israel, we are on a journey, and it involves spiritual warfare. The Lord has called us to run with endurance, the race that is set before us. He has called us to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To do that, the Lord calls us to fight the good fight of the faith. He calls us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. The point is that God summons us to walk on the pathway of life and to do so trusting He will bring us home. This brings us to our second point, and we'll see how the trumpets summon the people to worship. Our text is not Israel's first experience with trumpet blasts. That came about a year earlier, when they first came out of Egypt and camped at Mount Sinai. Moses commanded the people to consecrate themselves and to be ready to gather before the Lord on the third day. On that day, the Lord would come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Moses commanded that when the trumpet sounds a long blast, the people were to come before the Lord. Exodus 19 tells us that on the third day, there were thunders and lightning and a very thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. What's striking is that unlike Numbers 10, there was no command to make or to blow a trumpet. It appears that the trumpet blast came from God himself. It announced his presence and called his people to come before him. Our text shows that the second purpose of the trumpets was to summon the people for worship. Verse 2 says that the trumpets were to be used for summoning the congregation. Verse 3 says that when both trumpets are blown, all the congregation was to gather at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting is another name for the tabernacle. It's the place where the Lord dwelt in the midst of his people Israel. It was Israel's center for the worship of God. After specifying that the blowing of trumpets was to be a perpetual statute throughout the generations, Moses gave further instructions about how this applied to Israel's worship. Verse 10 says, On the day of your gladness also, 
and at your appointed feasts, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. And thus the trumpets were to be blown to call God's people Israel to worship at the tabernacle for the appointed feasts and for their new moon festivals. Yet the trumpets were not just blown to summon the people to worship. They were blown over the burnt offerings and the sacrifice of the peace offerings. When the priests sounded the trumpets, God would hear from heaven. He would pay attention to Israel's offerings. Their sins would be forgiven. Their acts of worship would be received and accepted. The trumpet blast would be a reminder to God of his people's devotion to him. In Israel's history, we read of specific times when the trumpets were blown in connection with Israel's worship of the Lord. When David and the elders of Israel went to bring the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom, the priests blew the trumpets before the Ark of God. All Israel brought up the Ark with shouting to the sound of the horn, trumpets, and cymbals, and they made loud music on harps and lyres. Hezekiah restored the worship of God with a blowing of trumpets. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord in the days of Ezra, the priests came forward with trumpets to lead the people in rejoicing in the steadfast love of the Lord. Striking, beloved, that trumpets were used in Israel not just to lead Israel on the way to the promised land or into war against their enemies. They're also used to summon Israel to communal worship at the tabernacle and later the temple. These activities are related. You might ask, what do a summons to war and a call to worship have in common? Well, everything. They are inseparably linked. When Israel went to war, they did not go in their own strength. They needed to go in trust and dependence on God. Think of Psalm 20, a prayer for the king. In verse 7, the people say, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Or think of Israel's confession of faith in Psalm 118. The Bible confessed it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. They spoke of being surrounded by the nations on every side. But then they sang... The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. It was only in faith and trust that Israel could embark on their journey and that they could fight against their enemies. But where does that faith and trust come from? How did God's people come to know the Lord? What means did God use to strengthen their faith and trust in him? You can answer these questions with one word. Worship. It's by coming into the presence of the Lord, 
by gathering in their sacred feasts, that Israel was built up in their faith. Israel's feasts celebrated the mighty deeds of the Lord. Their worship taught them about how they could live in a restored relationship with the Lord of hosts, the King of all the earth. In the current health crisis, we sometimes speak about how worship is essential. The Bible makes clear how special and how important it is to gather in communal worship. Our worship service is a meeting between God and his people. God speaks to us primarily through his word. And we respond to him with songs and prayers and gifts. God works faith in our hearts through the preaching of the gospel. And he strengthens it through the use of the sacraments. Following a live stream is not the manner God has ordained for public worship. It can serve as a temporary measure, but it's a definite second best. We need to experience communion with our God. We need to feel the love and support of one another. It's through our worship that we're strengthened to move forward in our journey through life. It's our worship that equips us in our spiritual warfare against the devil, this world, and our sinful flesh. Hearing God's word and partaking in the sacraments strengthens us to fight the good fight of the faith. It helps us to run with endurance the race that's set before us. Beloved, recently the Manitoba government put out a survey asking for feedback on lessening restrictions on public worship. Please fill it out. Continue to reach out to our governing authorities, explaining to them how worship is essential. As part of our text from Numbers 10, I included the last verses of this chapter. The trumpets have sounded. God's people have set out on their journey to the promised land. A pattern was established of setting out and then camping again. Yet these were not just things that happened. Whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee from before you. These words have been put to song in Psalm 68. We'll sing from it after the sermon. Israel was not on its own when it journeyed from Egypt to the promised land. The Lord of hosts went in the midst of his people. He was the commander of Israel's armies. He would bring them to their destination. Whenever the people camped and the ark rested, Moses would say, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousands of Israel. Whenever the Israelites camped, the tabernacle was set up by the priests and Levites. The Ark of the Covenant would be returned to the most holy place in the tabernacle. God dwelt in the midst of the camp, with the priests and Levites around him, and three of the tribes camped on the east, the south, the, the west, and the north. Our faithful covenant God remained with his people 
He knew their every need. He provided richly for them. In the same way, Jesus Christ is the head of his church today. God has given him authority over all things for the sake of his church. He guides all of history. He directs world leaders. He defends and preserves his people against all enemies. Christ is the bridegroom and we are his bride. He loves us with a deep and an abiding love. With his grace and spirit, he is ever present among us. He's our faithful shepherd and guide who cares for us, who leads us on the way everlasting. Earlier, I spoke about how we as 21st century Christians no longer use trumpets to summon us to war or worship. Doesn't mean that God will never use the trumpet among us again. 1 Thessalonians 4 makes it clear that on the final day, Jesus Christ will return on the clouds of heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. Do you know what that trumpet blast will signify? It'll signify the coming of our King. The trumpet blast that sounds on the last day will be a wonderful summons for all God's people, calling us to come into his presence, to share in the inheritance that he has promised us. But that same trumpet blast will be a sound of doom for all those who did not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. And so we see, beloved, that the trumpet's blast is not a long, forgotten ritual with no meaning for our lives. There are only two pathways in life. There is the broad way that leads to destruction, and there is the narrow pathway leading to life. God calls us to walk on the pathway of life. He summons us to worship him in spirit and truth. He calls us to fight the good fight of the faith. Commands us to walk with him in this life so that we may also share in his blessings in the life to come. The trumpets have sounded this morning through the preaching of the gospel. Are you heeding God's summons? Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by singing together from Psalm 68 and stanzas 1 and 12. Mm-hmm. 